This episode of the Smoke Pit brought to you by the Nut Ruck by Arbor Arms. A tactical fanny pack for your nuts and your butts. Check them out at arborarms.com. Tell them the Smoke Pit sent you. Wah, 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 wah. Also check out combathomeover.com. Pomades and beard oils for your face and your hair. Use our discount code SMOKEPIT to save yourself some money at combathomeover.com. Welcome to the Smoke Pit. What up, though? So we put a post on our Instagram, the Smoke Pit. And it was basically, what do you guys want us to talk about this episode? And Alexander, we got some interesting feedback. There was a lot of talk about how to shave one's butt hair. <laughs> yes, that was. So if you're new to the show, welcome. My name is Daniel Sharp. I am your host with my co-host, Alexander Pfeffer. Rah. And we are both uh, Marine Corps Infantry vets, and we, uh, we have an affinity for talking about shaving buttholes. It's important that you do it correctly. Yeah, because uh, there are a few things more frustrating than being in a um, firefight in the middle of summer in the Middle East and having swamp ass. Bro, that's the, and that's the thing. That's See, this is why these things are important to, to talk about, is sometimes when you remove hair from that area, yeah, it makes it worse because you're <laughs> still going to get the swamp ass, but now you're going to get chafing because there's no padding. Yeah, and so we... Um, we, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. We also got some questions about the, the proper way to give counseling. So, you know, the show isn't all just uh, cream pies and shaving buttholes. Uh, we're we're, we're going to give a little bit of our personal experience. Right. It's always important to give back to the to the future generations. Yes. Yeah, so uh, my recommendation was uh, use your battle buddy and ensure that they have a headlamp. You know, we, uh, we get those good Petzl or uh, other brand headlamps and uh, th- th- those can be an aid. That's fair. I remember in boot camp, they used to teach us, I don't know if they still do, but they used to teach us to shave each other. <laughs> right? I don't remember that in boot camp. Our faces. <laughs> it's still like, no, like I, I'd never had another recruit be like, recruit, this recruit permission to shave against the grain. I, th- <laughs> I think it was two different things. I think one was like one of those stupid corporate, ch- uh, like, uh, what is it? The trust exercises. Yeah. But the other one was like, what if you don't have a mirror and you can't see your face and like, you don't want to fuck your face up. Like, the option you have is you can have your, your battle buddy, like, shave your face for you. And I was like, I would rather, like, no matter how much I trust my battle buddy in combat, I'd rather yeah. pull out my rusty K-bar and shave that shit myself like John John Wayne <laughs> and have, like, a slice across my my face or looking like old boy from Predator, right? I'd much rather do that than have Private Schmuckatelli sitting there shaking with a razor trying to cut my hair off. Yeah, and it's uh, it's very interesting, the things that you thought that you would learn in boot camp and the military versus what you actually did, and then the things that they put emphasis on uh, while you're in your initial training versus the things you actually use during your career. And it was always a thing where they try to tell you, yeah, we're trying to teach you basic stuff. Like, they try to Jedi mind trick you when you're in boot camp to, like, yeah. make you do these asinine things because it really serves a higher purpose. And sometimes it does. Like, close order drill teaches you instant willing obedience style orders. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, I thought that it was going to be, like, major pain where I'm hanging upside down and disassembling and reassembling uh, a firearm while blindfolded. But really, what it was is just a bunch of naked dudes in the shower. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, they're training you to be comfortable with the idea that a large part of your career is going to be you and a bunch of naked dudes. Yeah, that, that, that is a fair point. Especially I, if you're Navy. <laughs> I I really thought by the amount of emphasis that we put on bayonet training that I was going to get to uh, to shank more motherfuckers. You remember, I think it was, it might have been our second tour. Yeah, I think it was our second tour. Like, there was one dude who was, like, always shooting cheesy puffs 
like yeah. two of those two or three training practice rounds that shoot Cheeto dust. Yeah. He was using those to shoot at like wild dogs and packs of dogs that would come at us. Yeah, and as uh, escalation of force. So if like somebody was you know driving towards us and you know you you wave your little uh, handkerchief air panel at them and they don't stop and you know you fire a pen flare, that doesn't work. So then old boy would just uh, shoot off a Cheeto puff round. It got to the point where he's shooting Cheeto puffs at so many packs of wild dogs that they were like, all right, you can only shoot one Cheeto puff per per. Uh, per patrol, patrol thank yeah. you. <laughs> and like, there, we didn't all have 203s. So at some yeah. point, we went, out, went outside the wire, and I knew we were going past a place that was going to have a lot of dogs that I had to worry about. So I fixed bayonets. And I remember my, my squad leader was like, Pfeffer, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, I'm not getting eaten by some mangy thing that's going to come over here and give me scabies. <laughs> He's like, take that off. And I was like, no. A good squad leader option should be, that's a great idea. And what if the enemy pops out at you and you don't have time yeah. to fire and the only thing you have to do is react? Everybody should fix bayonets. What happened to instant and obedient willing, uh, willingness to orders? No, here's the AJ. thing. I instantly <laughs> and willingly obey, obeyed the order and was removing the bayonet. <laughs> While, but, while. <laughs> but as a good Marine, I was also bitching about it at the same time. <laughs> That's fair. That That is definitely fair. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I'd like to think that, you know, when it, when it comes to dealing with local wildlife that you know I, I i try not to kill things that i don't have to right like if it's just a stupid little bug like if i can shoot it away but if it's like a wasp or like a murder hornet or something like that or like a goose in the middle of the road like it's getting the business okay a goose obviously should get the business because it's all the we were talking about this earlier and i know that the fandom understands that dan hates geese oh with a passion and i think what people don't realize this is not that it's, it's this random bird that Dan hates. It's because the reason Canadians are so polite and kind to everyone yeah. is because long, long ago, they did a magic spell on the whole country that absorbed all the evil from the Canadian people. Yeah. And and everybody knows the laws of transitive property. It has to go somewhere. Yep. So they infused all the evil into these birds. Yep. And that, that's why Canadian geese are evil spawns of the devil. And if I could be honest for a second and um, divulge a little bit of uh, candor, it really stemmed for the fact that I was on my way to work and uh, geese were blocking the road and I got my ass chewed for being three minutes late to the 15 minutes prior to formation because these geese were blocking the road and I could not physically pass them. Like I'd left early enough to be there uh, 15 minutes prior, but the geese fucking blocked the road for so long that I was late and I got my ass chewed. Like the indignity, a grown man who's fought in multiple fucking conflicts in two different countries getting yelled at by another grown man because he's not even late to a formation. And it's like, fucking geese. The lion, the witch, and the audacity of this bitch. <laughs> so, I um, I wonder, like, um, I would like to know what other people did uh, on their deployments to deal with the, uh, the local wildlife. I met a lot of nice cows in Iraq. I, I will say that the cows are always very nice. I don't think I've ever met a mean cow. I've met some that are a little territorial and they might stomp or kind of like, you know, uh, jab at you to, to kind of get you away. I've seen some uh, I've seen some Scottish cows that kind of give me a little bit of attitude. But usually once they see the whiskey, they're like, all right, we'll let ah, we'll let it go this time, lad. Is that how uh, Bailey's is made? They they give the cows whiskey. And so when the milk comes out, it's already sweet, delicious Bailey's. I would like, imagine. Yes. OK. So if you're from uh, Ireland or Scotland or anywhere in the UK and you can confirm this rumor Please let us know. And that's not to say that we want you to start feeding whiskey to cows in order to test this theory, because if it's the way they've been doing it, they can confirm it on their own. Yeah, that is fair. I I would like to buy a cow one day, get a nice little uh, plot of land, 
get a couple farm animals, uh, maybe a puma, because they're actually the largest uh, breed of domesticated cats, and you can get rescue pumas. Uh, I mean, we all saw Tiger King, so, like, anybody who's just like, yeah, okay, whatever, like, this dude fucking bought 200 tigers, so, like, don't tell me I can't get a puma. My, my personal favorite part of that whole show, and, you know, I, I want to bring us back to the Tiger King for a moment because it was a simpler time during Corona when we all thought this was going to take a month and we'd be done with it. Yeah. But my personal favorite part of that whole show is that the most reasonable and measured person out of everybody <laughs> was the guy they based Scarface off of. Right. Like he was just like, I don't know what's up with these crazy people. Like I just sold a lot of drugs to to fuel my habit of wanting to buy these cute, delicious animals. <laughs> and and I don't know what all this crazy like murdering your husband or whatever, allegedly murdering your husband and, and, and all this like cockamamie nonsense. Carol Baskin <laughs> killed her husband, whacked, whacked him. him. Can't, Can't convince me that it didn't, didn't happen. happen. <laughs> Fed him to tigers. They snack in. What's, what's happening? happening? Carol Baskin. <laughs> oh, did you see that they're gonna they're gonna do a Tiger King show, but it's gonna be Kate McKinnon as Carol Baskin. Really? Yes. Wow. Which I think is gonna be freaking awesome because Kate McKinnon is hilarious. Yeah. But even better, Carol Baskin found out about it and she was like, "I would love to be a like a an advisor on the show." Of course she would. Of course she would. Uh, uh, just just my as my professional consultant, could you guys please maybe cut the scene where I murder my husband and feed him to tigers? Allegedly. Yeah, but if you if you watch the documentary, which if you haven't, I mean, it's been long enough that you're no longer bandwagoning. Now it's just ironic to watch it. So go ahead and give yourself uh, the treat of watching that. It's it's like when you watch weird porn, right? <laughs> it's. If you don't tell anybody you watched it, you can enjoy it without having to feel the shame, allegedly. Yeah. I think um, uh, we've we've been friends long enough that like sometimes I forget that things might be weird, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I was jerking it to earlier, and you give me this look, and I'm like, wait, what? That's how how dare you judge me? Okay, <laughs> look, I do not judge you at all for the stuff that you watch. A because I don't have intimate details on it most of the time anyway. And B, because I have met enough people who have watched enough weird things, and I'm just like, you know what? You haven't jerked it to a goose yet, so as far as I'm aware, it's all good in the hood. I mean, the, those geese do have dump trucks. I'm just saying. <laughs> Waddling around. It's just double-cheeked up on a Thursday afternoon. <laughs> they got all that back problems from carrying around all that ass. I was just curious when you are telling the story about how you were late. Like, I don't understand why you didn't, like, roll your window down, reach out, snatch one by its evil neck. Just hold it out the window till you got to formation. And when they were like, why are you late? Just slam it on the ground. Like, just, like, huck it at them and have it, like, smack into their body and hit the ground. And be like, because of that motherfucker. And then everybody just starts stomping the shit out of it. Oh, yeah, obviously. And then it would be, like, that fight scene at the end of the last Matrix movie that was a yeah. little heavily CGI'd, but it was still kind of <laughs> cool. Where, like, Neo's taking on, like, 17 agents at the same time. Yeah. It'd be, like, the entire platoon of Marines taking on this one goose. Yeah, I uh, I made a meme earlier that actually hurt my own feelings. That seems like 90% of your comedic career, but you go on. <laughs> so uh, it was basically like what boys would do with a time machine. And it's like this emo looking uh, character. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I have to go back and change things and create alternate timelines. And then mine was like the same character, but like wearing um, like a military gear and like a flamethrower. And it's like, hey, Gunny, how about we go this way instead? And then John Bastlone was like, rah. <laughs> like the idea of getting to slay bodies with John Bassalone. He's on the primary. He's got the fucking heavy, and I got a flamethrower. So as he's suppressing the bunker, I get to run up and fucking make it McToasty. Like that right there. Like I think that would be uh, 
a good fucking segue of our last episode when we talked about like if you could create your own fucking uh, afterlife, like what you would do, like the idea of getting to fight alongside like John Bastlone, like that would be so dope. And then I was just like, man, that was really a waste, you know? It really was. But then again, like I don't know with the tragedy, the tragedy kind of underpinned the excellence of the person. And not to say that if I had the opportunity, I wouldn't like yank him out of the danger at the last minute. But like a lot of times, like it's like the difference between tragedy and comedy. Yeah. Right? So like a tragedy will stick in your brain forever, whereas comedy is really good at the moment, and then it kind of like fades over time. Yeah, like uh, you can look at a meme and you'll laugh at it for like two or three seconds, but then if you see something like the very next post is something that like hurts your feelings or like you know throws you back to like a a disappointing time in your life, like that shit will stay with you for like all day. Yeah. Then you're like laying in bed at three in the morning, looking at your popcorn ceilings, going. What did I do with my life? <laughs> so, um, yeah, but John Bastlone, fantastic leader. If you haven't uh, educated yourself, uh, do me a favor and uh, look him up. And uh, if you still don't want to go slay bodies with John Bastlone, correct yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he was, uh, by, all, uh, by all accounts, a fantastic leader. And um, I'm very curious to know how he would have answered that question about the proper way to give counselings. So, I'm a big fan of counselings. Yeah. And the I remember... Oh, we all know you like telling people what their deficiencies are. That is not my point, sir. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, this dude, I ordered a protein shaker, right? Just like a simple one because I like the design. He took it out of my hands as soon as I opened in the box to tell me about how it was inferior to the one that he purchased. <laughs> I told him it was inferior to the one I purchased <laughs> because I had two... And the one I the one I had was from the same company, but a much better model. And I was telling him because I had a second one that he could easily. I like the design that was on for it. free. Look, took it, I had just taken out of the box, and then you took it out of my hands to be like, "Oh, this is shit to compare to the one that I bought." And then slam dunk. No, he didn't really do the the slamming part, but everything else. I wanted to, but I didn't want to damage anything in the office. No, he just slam dunked my pride. Well, here's the thing: is is you know you're doing very well for yourself financially these days, right? Uh, I do all right. You do okay. Like you're not you're not like for someone who makes memes for a living. Yeah, you're not buying tigers off the internet, but not you're buying yet. everything else off the internet. Yeah, you know, just a puma. You know, like keep my expectations tempered. You know, right? Just middle of the road. It's good. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like the two of us coming from like poor backgrounds. Yeah, like we're very invested in. How can I spend the least amount of money and get the most amount of product, right? Like any yes. any sage purchaser should be. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I like to be like, hey, you know, you could spend $20 on that thing. Or I could <laughs> use some spit and duct tape and make an make a superior product for you out for like 27 cents. Spit and duct tape, title your sex tape. Accurate. <laughs> so I um I um I had some thoughts on that. Um we've all heard the old adage, uh praise in public. And counsel in private. Do you agree with that? Uh, 100% agree with that, yes. I read something uh, because, Ed, you know, it is important as as you grow and mature not to just kind of like rest on your laurels and the understanding uh, that, that I've had my uh, throughout my life. I like to get new takes on things. And I read an article that said that can actually be uh, a danger to your leadership style. And this was more of a, uh, a corporate article. So, you know, just take uh, if there's any any salt worth there putting on your fucking chicken then take that out and fucking, you know, season uh, your own style with it. But it said that um, not criticizing people in public when it relates to something where that person's failure affected the overall group's performance, it actually shows that you don't hold people accountable. So if, say, like, for example, a Marine shows up 
or sailor shows up and they don't have a shave, right? That impacts that person's uh, personal performance, right? And so from a leadership perspective, if you can pull that individual away and say, hey, go back to your barracks room, shave your face and stay there until I come get you. And then when they do the reporting, you can say, you know, uh, all uh, all Marines accounted for because you know where that individual is physically. Does he physically need to be there? No, because in my opinion, all that does is make you look like a poor leader if he gets caught by a higher leadership. You don't need to emasculate that person in front of the whole formation. But say they miss a timeline, and because of that, the overall uh, unit's performance is hindered, right? Like say they didn't get the, uh, the, the water jugs and you're about to step out for the field, and now you have to wait until somebody goes get that. I can see the value of, of calling them out in front of everyone because now everybody understands that if you do something that affects the entire unit, you will be held accountable. I would agree with you in senses where it concerns safety. Yeah. And safety has overall been the thing. Like, I don't raise my voice at my kids, for example, except when it comes to safety. Like, I will I will oi the Get shit. Get away from that goose. I will oi the shit out of them if they go towards, like, the street. Like, if they're playing and one of them, like, toodles towards the street, I they, yeah. they get yelled at. But they understand that's for a safety purpose. So if you do something that's unsafe or that puts other Marines in danger, absolutely get blasted. But it's hard for me to account for the idea that you're about to step off and you don't have water jugs because that person fucked up when we all know that you're going to step out at 08, so therefore you arrived at 03. Yeah, I get that, but... Uh, like, inspect what you expect. So, yeah. you know, you'd figure... Um, and I understand what you're going for. The, the, not to get too bogged down in the example, but the previous example with the guy that didn't have the shave, like, that's a perfect example. Like, there's a hundred reasons why he might not have shaved. It could have been negligence. It could have been, like... Geese. It could have been geese. It could have yep. been... I realized that I have to shave, but due to circumstances, I had the choice between shaving and being on time, right? And he chose the lesser of two evils. And if you crap on somebody every time they make a choice, even if it's not a choice you agree with, right? They were like, you have to ask. My, my whole thing is reasoning. It's just like commander's intent. You can give me the instructions to do the job, or you can tell me what the overall goal of the job is and let me figure it out for myself. That's a that's a very uh, good way to and make your counselings more powerful is by, like you said, establish your intent. Because one of my least favorite things about counselings is when people just give like kind of like uh, obscure, arbitrary advice, like take more initiative or you know um, get better at knowledge, and it's like okay, like you you. You, you did give me that that end state, but you didn't really give me anything to help me accomplish that. For like, for example, instead of saying, uh, you know, take more initiative, you know, said name Marine needs to take more initiative. You could be like, OK, by the next uh, counseling period, you will lead three sessions of PT. And so that's a measurable uh, way that you can uh, account for those things. But like in order to because, you know, that's one of the most important things of the commander's intent, not just take hill a but it's also in order to facilitate cover of second platoon's extraction from the objective so you will conduct uh three sessions of pt as the leader in order to help you de uh, develop your command presence and to take initiative in your leadership style so giving them a date to which they are to have to accomplish the spe specified tasks that you give that's great and so if they meet that that's the standard you can't be like well you could have done more like no that's what you said to do if they do more that just shows that they're growing more but at the same time, you can't give them just obscure things like get better, you know? And that's exactly right. And the thing that always gets me about counseling is when we first started talking about counseling, the first thing that my brain, the, the Lance Corporal in my brain cringed because you hear counseling and you automatically think, well, I'm in trouble, right? And that shouldn't be how it is. 
counseling are supposed to be a tool to encourage your Marines to grow, right? Know your Marines, train your Marines as a team, right? That sort of thing. So your intent is if you're doing your counselings when you're supposed to, either monthly or quarterly, you're bringing them in and you say, look, this is all the stuff you fucked up so far, but this is all the stuff you did well. Yes. And so now that we know you can do this part well, stop trying to show off, keep, keep improving in that area. That's great. You know, but also these are the things that you need to improve. And here's a plan that I think will work to improve that. And then if he says, well, I have an idea on that as well, like listen to what they have to say. Yeah. Because everybody learns differently. I've been teaching professionally for 16 years and I can tell you everybody learns in a different way. I can tell, like I could show Dan a way to do something and he could figure it out, but I could show it to someone else and they're like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. But then I explain it to them. I explain yeah. the process and then that's what helps. And you also have um, a, a very good uh, leadership aspect where You've, uh, you've learned along the way that sometimes performing the action that you tend to shy away from because you're not good at it will inherently force you to become better at it. You know, that's a, that's a good takeaway. Is, uh, Dan and I took uh, my son to go play mini golf the other day, and it's not something he does very often, so he wasn't initially very good at it. And so sometimes he gets a little frustrated, as kids do. Yeah, right? we all do. Kid, anybody gets frustrated when they're not good at something right off the bat. And so I told him, I was like, look, I've been doing this for like 78 years longer than you have. So of course <laughs> I'm going to be better at it. Yeah. But I said the the intention is not that you be good at it the first time, it's that you learn from where you where you did not do well and improve. Yeah, cuz you're never going to be great at something the first time, whether it's your first podcast, your first workout, your first speech, your first article, your first attempt at sales, like nobody's going to be great at it the first time, but you can't have your 100th time without your first time. Now, look at look at it this way too, is you have the coyote and the roadrunner, right? Coyote is a certified genius. He has the power of speech. He obviously has a uh, like a regular job that affords him the money in order to buy all that crap from Acme. Yeah, or at least fantastic credit. <laughs> right, or his credit's really good, or he's like he's out in the, the the west. Maybe he found some gold deposits or something. Yeah, but he has his own business cards. <laughs> right, he's got Wiley Coyote super genius, and he's like ha- have ha- have intelligence will travel, and he continuously gets beaten out by this dumbass bird that just runs fast. Yeah. So the idea is, and this is all from a thing I saw a long time ago, like less life lessons learned from Disney cartoons and yeah. from Looney Tunes. And so one of the things you got to learn is that there's always gonna, there, there may always be somebody who is inherently better at something than you, yep. right? There will always be a seven-year-old kid from a, uh, a Eastern culture <laughs> that is better than me at skating. And I know this because I have failed spectacularly in front of quite a few of them. Yeah, and so it uh, uh, at first like it wasn't that great, and you know he started getting better, and then kind of once we've got the life lesson out of the way, we started uh, having fun and all of us hitting our our mini golf balls at the same time, and then he got confident to the pact where he was actually going after people's shins with the golf club. Yeah, I got swacked right in the ankle, and I was like, "Oh, son of a bitch!" And he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry," and then at the same time he says, "I'm sorry." He's like whacking my ball completely off the green, and I was like, "Yeah, you're real sorry." Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I called it chaos ball. Like, uh, whoever sunk the ball the first time went first, and then it was kind of like very sequentially. It was like whack, 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 and just like you know, who could ever get their uh, their uh, their their ball in the in the hole would be the first person to go the next time. And by the end of it, like it was uh, it was fun. Granted, uh, you had some welts on your shins, but you know what? That's okay though. Oh, so the reason that whole thing came up is because is is you make a good point, or you you brought up a point that I'd made at the time is we had a squad leader who used to have a leadership uh, style where if you were bad at something, like if you were bad at land navigation, 
guess what your job was going to be? Land navigation. Because the idea is that we want well-rounded individuals. Right. And if you're terrible at something, then you're going to try to avoid that thing because nobody likes to look stupid. Yep. But if it's your job, then you have to get better at it. Then you're going to strive for, for a improved performance. And at some point, whoever it was that this particular squad leader had assigned to land navigation sucked at the beginning and we're always getting lost. And then by yep. the time we were done... He wouldn't even use the tools or the maps or the protract. He would just look at the map and be like, all right, it's going to be about 700 steps that way and just point. I remember we were doing an exercise in uh, the 29 Palms Mojave Desert, and we uh, we, we set off on a night patrol. And to, to my fault, it, it was my fault. I was a squad leader. Like you said, uh, inspect what you expect. But the team leader that I had assigned to navigation forgot his compass back at the, the bivouac. Turd. And I was just like... Are you fucking kidding me? Because like we we were doing like operations against other uh, other squads. Like our objective was to like you know go to X, Y, and Z and like occupy this area. And there were like two other squads out there that their job was to hunt us, right? And granted, right in the middle of the fucking desert, there's a lot of terrain like hills, mountains, uh, deflate, wadis, like all kinds of shit. Plus, it's night you know, nighttime, so like we weren't using thermals; we were just using night vision. And I remember that when I was on my first deployment, my squad leader taught me how to find the North Star. And so because of that, I was able to kind of like generally have an idea of where we were in relation to our bivouac and to our objective. And so I kind of took over as a squad leader. It was my fault that I didn't ensure that we had all the tools that we needed. And I just kind of navigated us using the stars. So it's important to not only identify um, a, a, a skill or a trait, but then also ask yourself, what's the worst possible thing that could happen in that situation? And how do I account for that? The worst possible thing that could happen when it comes to that aspect of navigation is that you don't have a map and a compass, you know? I mean, we had the map, but, you know, uh, we, we didn't have the, the tool that generally would be associated with success with that. However, I had trained a little bit on how to circumvent that, and we were able to still accomplish the um, training exercise without getting fucking lost, getting anybody fucking, you know, killed, and uh, more importantly, without the staff starting finding out that we were fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, a, g- a good bit of uh, a good bit of positive counseling is you try your best to unfuck your Marines without making yourself and the rest of the squad look like dickheads in front of everybody else. Yeah, because all it really comes down to is uh, communication. When you have uh, your message, it has to be com- uh, clearly communicated with identifiable objectives to the subordinates, and then has to be you know, disseminated not only up and down but also laterally, and so. With that um, being said, you have to understand how to talk to some people. There's some people, like you said, that prefer more of a, a mentorship style, a leadership, and then there's some people that need more of like the dicta- dictator, authori- uh, authoritarian, authoritarian, yeah. authoritarian uh, leadership, where it's like, hey, do this because I said so, and I'll explain later. So you, you kind of have to figure that out. But there are some people out there that are just fucking stupid. <laughs> now, I will say that I I've had some. I've had some smart Marines, and I've had some uh, some guys who I would have been better served by a bag of gravel. But at the same time, every Marine is good at one thing. I've always believed this, yeah, and it's been proven time and time again. Every Marine's good at one thing. I had this one Marine. He was absolutely a dumpster fire. He was not good at anything. But he was good at ground fighting. And then he turned out to be good at ground fighting. We yep. got back, and we're like trying to kill time. Like We're going to do some ground fighting. And I was like, dude. Like, where was this this whole time? He's like, I don't know, Sergeant. And I was like, fuck, man. I, I don't know how to translate that into uh, setting headspace and timing on a machine gun, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. So the, the question there becomes, like, 
how do you communicate with stupid people? Because there are going to be people out there that believe their own bullshit, right? And so it's like, how, how do you uh, put that point across? Because there's going to be people out there that they're going to say some like fucking half-baked, fucked-up logic. And it's just like, wow, you really just thought that you said something profound right there. Let me tell you why you're wrong. See, and that's, that's that often is me, right? <laughs> I'm often the one who's like, listen, I know you just quoted a Breitbart article that you think is very insightful, but I'm going to tell you all the ways in which you are incorrect. And so, like, how do you... How, how do you really get that across? Because sometimes you have to lose a battle to win the war. So you may not be able to show that person specifically why their uh, their train of thought wasn't correct because there's a difference between being smart and being clever. And I found that there are people out there that although they may have um, high processing power where they can figure out problems and equations, that it doesn't necessarily equate to uh, morality or technical knowledge, you know? Yeah, it's one of those things where you just kind of kind of figure out, like like I said, everybody's good at one thing. So if you can figure out how to relate stuff, that's usually my best advice, is find the thing that they understand. Like if you got a guy who likes cars, or you, you got a guy that's like Dan, like super into anime, right? <laughs> like if I need to explain something to Dan, I'll just be like, okay, so we're going to we're gonna use Naruto, right? The problem is I don't know fuck all about Naruto. So usually I go to my teenage daughter, <laughs> and I go, okay, explain Naruto to me, and she goes... Dad, you're old. Get over it. And I say, okay, yes, but that's not the point. No, but see, that that's exactly the point, though, is there will be people out there who try to speak about something, although they don't have the correct knowledge base to be able to translate it correctly. No, that's my point. Is you because have... you think you're clever that you can figure it out. No, you're right on some, to- <laughs> some topics, but that's the thing is you have to learn it, right? Like I learned... When my son was young, I used I he was really big into Minecraft, so I, I learned Minecraft. Like I got into it, I played it, I figured out how the debugging menu went, I tried to figure out how the grid the grid's coordinates and systems worked. Yeah. And so I figured it out so that when he had problems and he was like, Dad, I just do not understand how to do this thing, I'd be like, Yeah. Okay, you know how you do that thing with the Minecraft where you, you go in here and you dump out this stone and you put this thing up? And he goes, Yes. I was like, All right, imagine the system you're trying to work is the same way. Right, you just have to move the sand out of the way, and then then you harvest this shit and that shit, and it'll make this thing, and then you're good. Yeah, I saw a tweet where this uh, this uh, woman was like, um, for the last five years, whenever my husband gets stuck on a video game uh, part, I'll look up the answer and then give him vague hints to help him figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that is love right there. That that is love like, because <laughs> she's not insulting his intelligence, but she's helping him. Right, she doesn't want to come off and be like. Hey, stupid! You just have to push BB, right? <laughs> now she's like, "Hey, maybe this will work." And he's like, "Hey, have you looked at that one thing? That looks kind of shiny. What's that?" Right? Like you got to play dumb so you don't you don't hurt their feelings. Yeah, because ego's a motherfucker, right? I'm just, there. There are some people out there, and granted, like you know, neither of us are are saints, and so before people think that we're trying to stand on some moral high ground, listen to the last seventy episodes where we've been extremely self deprecating. <laughs> Yeah, I I am the first to say that I I have had some. Trem- Here's the thing: you're usually the first to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not afraid to put out new ideas. They yep. may be terrible. I saw this I saw this TikTok <laughs> the other day that I love. Yeah, and it's they're talking they're trying to make an inference to uh, what was the movie with um, uh, Limitless. Yeah, with Bradley Cooper, where they take the he takes the pill and it makes him super genius for a set period of time. Yeah, we talked about that in the last episode. Right. Yeah. There's this TikTok I saw where the the girl goes. I'm taking this controversial new drug that makes my brain twice as fast. And so the, the other person goes, oh, so like you're super smart. And he, she goes, no, I'm dumb, just faster. 
<laughs> I can now process my insecurity and anxiety twice as fast. <laughs> I'm crumbling at twice the speed. <laughs> so oh, believe man. me, I, I've had this argument several times, but it's like, I I may not have been a fuck up for 36 years straight, Yeah, but there are some periods in there where I made up for the lack of, like, I made up for how little of a time I was a fuck up <laughs> by being a tremendous fuck up. Yeah, and so you know, like the uh, the the good book says, measure other people by the same scales that you want to be measured by. And so there's times where I will uh, encounter somebody who's clearly wrong in a scenario, and I'm like, okay, well, next time I'm wrong about a scenario, how would I like to be addressed? Right. You know. And then sometimes you have to check your ego, lose the the, the little ego battle to you know overall accomplish the war. And there's some people out there that they get so bogged down in in the way of just like I'm right and even if I'm not right I'm still right because I can explain how somehow it's your fault you know and so you have to be able to kind of like work past that there's some you know okay I don't want this to come off as insulting in any way so I want to say right here and now I have no problem with religion or the bible or anything but there is a, <laughs> when you preference things like that, like, I'm, I immediately need, put people on their heels. I need to preface it because I think it's important because as much as I've crapped on anime in the past and or I've made comments that sound like I'm crapping on anime, even though I'm not really doing that, I know how it sounds when I say things. Yeah. So uh, I know how it sounds when I open my mouth, the words come out. So I just want to point out there's this thing I've seen. It's a phenomenon that's happening a lot recently on social media where they do. Yeah. They take quotes and they say, OK, here's the game. Is this quote from the Bible or from anime? And then extra points if you can name the anime or the book of the Bible it comes from. Yeah, sure. And at first I was like, okay, this is going to be dumb. And then I watched it and I was like, mind blown. <laughs> and it's not an insult to the Bible. It's a credit to the writing of anime. No, I, I will say that. And um, that uh, there there is some fantastic bits of knowledge from all walks of life. And I, I believe that. You know, although you can point to any sort of culture or time period or geographical area, you know, you can say the things that that uh, that group of people has done wrong. But you can also say the things that uh, that that group of people has done right. So now you have to choose, like, are you going to be more focused on uh, the takeaways or the benefits? And so, like, yeah, obviously temper your your life with learning from other people's mistakes because they learn that lesson the hard way. Right. So you learn from it. But at the same time, just because somebody's fucked up doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have the ability to add value in one way or another. Right. So we can bring this all back around to the counselings by saying, yeah, you know, a, a lot of us as a leader, a good a good method of counseling your subordinates is to remember the things that you fucked up and how you responded to being counseled. Yeah. Right? And, and like I said earlier, a lot of times young Marines will hear the word counseling, and the only time that happens for them is when they fuck up, and you're just like, okay, great, now I'm getting counseled. So getting rid of that stigma and saying this isn't – this doing a counseling is a regular check on your performance yeah. that is intended to be a tool to improve that performance. And that also comes with mindset because, you know, if you uh, correct a wise person, they will get uh, more wise still. But if you correct a fool, they will hate you because now you've uh, embarrassed them or shown them where they're deficient. So going into something, whether it's you're giving a counseling or you're receiving a counsel or even just input from friends and family, having the mindset that just because somebody is telling you something that's wrong doesn't mean that you don't have value, that you can't contribute positively it's just this is one area that can be corrected like saying like yeah that meal was great but and now everybody's like oh i'm a terrible cook like no i'm just you know not not huge on this one thing you know yeah 
I've I've butchered quite an, a few meals, and that is what made me a better chef. Yeah, and so you um, you, you kind of also have to maintain credibility as a leader by being open to new ideas and suggestions, and not just being uh, a hypocrite at all times. You know, and so the credibility of a leader is in, is more so important in the beginning than the things that they initially say. Because if somebody shows up and you don't really think that they're credible, you're going to be less apt to take in and absorb the the good things that they have to say. And um, there have been instances where people uh, in command levels have gotten in trouble for things. And it's kind of like you don't know the whole story. All you really see is their picture and their faults. And it's just kind of like, that is an interesting thing that the military does that you don't really see in a lot of private corporations. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the thing is a lot of, you see a lot of books and stuff that come up with these, like, you know, a former Marine becomes a CEO or becomes higher management. And he's like, these are the Marine tricks that worked for me in the corporate world. Yeah. And the other way around, like these are corporate tricks we could use in the Marine world. And you got to remember that while yeah. some of that stuff you can take across, some of that stuff doesn't translate. So don't don't read a book by Warren Buffett and think all of a sudden that you are the military's premier leadership. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Like when you you see news articles where it's like uh, you know the the CEO of MagTaf Twenty Seven was relieved pending investigation. See, I I and I I talked about this earlier a little bit when we were. Yeah, that's why I was pitching it to you. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm warming I'm warming it up to the show. So here's the thing. So we were talking about this in the office earlier when we were deciding on stuff we wanted to talk about. So I forget what it was. I'm going to see if I can see if it's still in my news feed. But there was this thing. I, a lot of people, when they when they poop, they take their phone with them because it's either that or read the back of a shampoo bottle. And so this is the opportunity I have to like look at news articles that I haven't been paying attention to. See, that's how you know we grew up poor is that if your toilet is close enough to your shower that you can just reach over and grab a shampoo bottle. <laughs> Yeah, like there's there was no space in that thing, <laughs> none whatsoever. The broom closet, or worse, is when you're when you're taking a poop and like your your brother is in the shower at the same time because yeah. you have the one bathroom and you you, you got to go. It's like, it's like, dude, just stay in there and like wash your ass for an extra thirty seconds. I got to poop. But I saw this article and dodge it was just, the the water when I flush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, press against the wall and now. Um, or you know, if your brother was a cunt, you just you know flush and run out and be like, ha ha, fuck you. Or just run in and flush without using the bathroom and then run away. <laughs> oh, no, I get my ass handed to me for that. Um, there was, um, I remember my dad one time, he had a uh, had a family meeting, and this did not happen often. Like, I was a half a British family and, like, three quarters of a British family, like, a pinch of Cajun mixed in there. Yeah. And so, like, apparently somebody had flushed while he was in the shower, and this could not stand. This enough was too much and so he, he gets comes to the, and his shower's upstairs so he comes downstairs he's standing in the foyer of the house and he goes everybody come here right now and so everybody comes downstairs and here's my dad and he's standing there with a towel around his waist dripping wet and he goes i swear to god the next fucking person that flushes a toilet while i'm in the fucking shower i'm gonna shut the water off in this house for a week and i will shower at work <laughs> And, like, he's an electrician. Like, where the hell is he going to shower at work? I don't know where the threat was supposed to be, but he'd figure it out. <laughs> Just out of spite, he would have done that. Yeah. But anyway, back to the original point. Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll try this again. Yeah, so sometimes you see in the news where, uh, <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll post a picture and, like, this commander was relieved pending an investigation. Like, how do you feel about that? So I feel two two different ways about it. One is see, that, that was a perfect way to receive. <laughs> I'm not good at receiving. Anyway, so... <laughs> The the thing the thing it's it's two different aspects for me. One is the idea that 
you know, <laughs> if you if you see this picture, okay. So the mil- the military is a public institution. Yep. Right. Publicly funded. Right. We're publicly they're publicly funded. They unlike the post office, which actually doesn't receive uh, as much in government subsidies as one may think. Right. Because they were they were actually turning a profit back in the day until they were getting strangled by con- congressional bullshit. Yeah. That's another topic though. So, but you see people in the military like um, so. My newsfeed comes up, and it's this commander of wherever doesn't matter. And they're like, such and such commander of yada yada unit is being relieved for reasons. And they show their command photo and they say, you know, they give their details. They're like, this is a person who is in charge of this unit and that unit. And this is the thing they're famous for so far. And and they say they were relieved pending investigation into uh, anonymous charges that we're not going to talk about. Be like, yeah, but bitch, you just put their picture up and said they got fired. Like if you're if you're not a partner at a law firm, but you're like the next step down, like your name's not on the side of the building, but you're still pretty important and you get in some trouble or an allegation is levied against you that may or may not be true. And they're doing an investigation. And until until they do the investigation, they're like, we're going to put you on administrative leave while we figure this all out. They don't blast your name in the in, in the newspaper. And granted, like I said, that's a private institution versus the military, which is a public institution. And I'm all about transparency. But I think transparency should be, if you're going to blast their picture, it should be after they've been tried, found guilty, and and whatever punishment they're going to receive has been adjudicated. No, I get that. So in the military, you're often guilty until proven innocent. But however, when you're talking about the, uh, the trust and confidence that comes from uh, being accountable for the sons and daughters that you've been, uh, that, that you've been tasked with leading and developing and growing, and then the uh, mission of that unit that you've also been entrusted with, like there's uh, there's a lot of severity to that appointment. So it's kind of like the old adage, like the captain goes down with the ship. Like, look, even if it's not your fault, but something goes sideways, like you're the dude. Like you get to make all the day to day decisions. You get the benefit of that. So with that also comes the responsibility of accountability if things go wrong. See, and that's I think what's wrong with uh, a lot of society and not just in the military is that people want the benefits, but they don't want the accountability. Uh, for any failures that comes as a result of the privilege of those benefits. Now, I absolutely agree with you on that. Like, if you if you get the if you take the responsive if you get to, if you take the bennies, you got to take the hits. On the other side of that coin, though, if that's what they got relieved for, right? Like, if if the let's say the commander of Lejeune gets relieved because one of his uh, you know division commanders or one of his uh, fucking battalion commanders was. I don't know, selling meth out of the barracks and was conscripting his Marines to make it for him. Absolutely. Relieve him, make it public, whatever it is you got to do, right? Because that's transparency in action. You're saying this person got relieved for this reason. We don't want to make a, we don't want to hide it. On the other hand, if you're not going to tell us why, then why are you telling us at all? Because if you haven't completed your investigation yet, you're just going to make them look more guilty. Yeah, I get that. That, that makes sense because, you know, we, we don't like having our, our flaws uh, touted in the public eye. You know, nobody likes being embarrassed. And, you know, to, to round that out with what we were saying earlier, like you don't like you don't like the idea of especially if you're innocent, because there are a few things more frustrating than being told that you're lying about something that you're telling the truth about. And and that's the thing is, is you like to, we, we like to say innocent until proven guilty, but often it's guilty until proven innocent. And then you also have like the court of public opinions, you know, and that's the problem is, let's say a, a lot of times you'll see these high end court uh, court cases where the the defense attorney will request uh, a new jury 
or request a change of venue, which means they want to have the court case somewhere else. Yeah. And the reason why is because, let's say, uh, Daniel Sharp, CEO of Pop Smoke Media, gets accused of whatever, and everybody in the area knows about it. Like, ev- they blast it all over the news. It's on the radio. It's on the front of newspapers. Before they assemble the jury. Right. Before they even went to the... Well, the, they go to the grand jury to indict. So you wouldn't be indicted for the for whatever criminal offense until they've gone to the grand jury, but that's a different jury. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, when the uh, they're they're choosing jurors... Right. If I said that correctly. <laughs> Correct. No, that's that's right. Yeah. So you're, you're going through the, juror sele- the jury selection process, and they the, one of the questions they'll ask is, do you think you can... Uh, render an impartial verdict based on you know their race, color, creed, religion, you know, uh, job, whatever. Yeah, and attor- attorneys will also request like media blackout because they don't want the like those people like being influenced by updates in the news cycle. And depending on the severity, of the uh, severity of the criminal court criminal yeah. case and how long it's going to take, often those jurors are sequestered. They're told you can't read newspapers, you can't watch TV, except for you know. The, the adult channels, as long as they're not doing any spoofs, <laughs> right? And and that sort of thing. Because they, they don't want you to be outside influenced by watching Nancy Grace or seeing some kind of whatever else. And so the the problem then becomes, how do you get a jury pool that is impartial? Because now you've told everybody, this person did allegedly this thing. Lawyers hear the word allegedly, right? Yeah. Normal people hear the word allegedly and they go, yeah, they did it. <laughs> like I mean look how quick we are to say Carol Baskin killed her husband allegedly allegedly now did she do it absolutely she did it no allegedly the, uh, okay so I, I don't want to get too much into that because I, I have thoughts and opinions but if you were to be an advisor in somebody making a life uh, lifetime movie about your endeavors or your struggles or triumphs who would you want to play you um Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. I think Chris Pratt is the is a nice mix between serious enough to get my good points across, yeah, but also enough of a goon to really accurate re- accurately resemble my husky like personality. So I I am uh, two minds about that. So one of the biggest disappointments is when you watch a movie and like the actor or actress is you know very talented or very attractive or whatever, and then you actually get interested and invested and you want to learn more about it. And you look up the real person, and they are not nearly as attractive as the actor who played them. <laughs> so I feel like I would want anybody too handsome to play me. That's my point, though, right? Like, so Chris Pratt, when he when he did Guardians of the Galaxy one, yeah, right, and he was just ripped. He had gone through all that stuff where he had, like a nutritionist, and he was like posting all the stuff on social media. He was like, yeah. he's like, I'm only allowed to have this one cinnamon bun for the next six hours, and like five minutes later, he posts, I couldn't wait. And he, <laughs> they're like, he's gonna, my trainer's gonna punish me tomorrow. And but he got super hot, and then like the next Guardians of the Galaxy, they were making fun of him for being pudgy. Like in the movie, they're like, "Ah, uh-huh, you little pudgy bitch." It's like you're you're one cheeseburger away from being fat. Right. He went he went from Andy Dwyer to Star Lord to yeah. Star Lord meets Andy Dwyer, and I feel like that's that's my fitness level. My fitness level is sometimes I have a very close to a six pack, and sometimes I look like I would never say no to a burrito at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but like realistically, how much of your lifetime story are going to be scenes with you shirtless, though? (laughs) (laughs) I would like to think that it would be like the majority of it is like, you know, like a well-appointed suit or possibly a parka because I'm exploring some austere location. (laughs) That would be preferable. So I I don't know. I've I've been compared to a young Joaquin Phoenix, um, I think that if we were both wearing burkas, uh, there would not be a whole lot of uh, 
differences as far as like bam right there like from forehead down to like nose we both have a little bit of kind of like the crow magnum forehead uh, eyebrows if you will but now i don't know if you've seen him lately but that dude looks old joaquin phoenix yeah yeah which i mean it's perfectly fine like you know obviously everyone's allowed to age uh and it's just crazy to see like certain pictures of people like before they went through something and then afterwards and then you can kind of like look at it and like Macaulay Culkin like he uh, did a thing where he was uh, I think he was playing like a drug addict in a movie and so everybody took pictures of that and they're like oh look how bad off he is and then there was just like him at the premiere where he's looking like all kinds of delicious and handsome in a Versace suit and they're like look how much he cleaned up his life it's like dude that was a that was a movie (laughs) yeah that's like uh, uh, Christian Bale did the movie The Mechanist yeah and he was like 90 pounds yeah like it looked almost CGI and there might have been some of that I had to look but like he legitimately looked awful but that was the point. He was supposed to look terrible. That was the character. Yeah. So you got method actors that'll do that. I do like, though, since you mentioned Macaulay Culkin, this is not on on topic, but I know you see what I'm about to mention. Yeah. Is that he t- Macaulay Culkin tweeted the other day, he's like, hey, if you're out there and you're feeling old, guess what? I'm 40 now. You're welcome. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you, Macaulay. <laughs> like, I can't believe he's 40. Time is flying. Right? I was all about you. You're a good dude, as far as I know. Like, you've you've... You've been a good a good person to me in the entertainment that I've received in, in my childhood, and now you're just going to piss all over it. So if you were to say you could portray anyone as you as the actor, and now you are portraying a character uh, or a story or an event, like what would you do? Mm. Because I'm not going to say that I'm like a great actor or anything, so like I wouldn't want something that's like, yeah, you know, like because I mean, um, God rest them. Um, you know, recently we just lost a uh, an actor. Uh, Chadwick Bosman, I believe yeah. I said that right. I don't want to disrespect him, but uh, yeah, he played Black Panther, and he also played like a bunch of other extremely significant roles, like I think Jackie Robinson, and uh, all while battling uh, stage three and stage four colon cancer. And so, like the ability to portray those characters, which were so important to your culture and to like your heritage and stuff like that, like that's a huge undertaking, you know? Yeah, and he was he was fighting colon cancer for like four years since 2016. Yeah. And nobody had any idea because he was like, hey, I'm not going to let this cancer define me. I'm going to do my thing until I can't do my thing anymore. Yeah. And so like kind of a, a caveat, like people were uh, uh, dragging him on social media for looking uh, skinny or disinterested at events. And it's like he was dying and you never really know what somebody is going through yeah. at the time. So, like, you know, do do be conscious about that. But like the gravity of the roles of which he was playing, like, you know obviously black panther made a billion dollars so like that movie was important to a lot of people so like to have that weight thrusted upon you like i don't know if i would want that you know i mean that's a he not only did he take it but he took he took it and he did so well with it and he yeah. had the, like there's the other avengers movies he was in yeah 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 i think he was like uh, he was in uh like four or five marvel movies uh portraying that character and then he did black jeopardy on SNL. Oh, that was hilarious. I mean, I about peed myself. There's only two. There's only two of those those uh, episodes that I'll 100% make people watch, and it's the one with Chadwick Boseman, and it's the one with Tom Hanks. But yeah, Chadwick Boseman definitely like crushed it. Like the bit about the potato salad, I about peed myself. So, who would you want to portray then? If I could portray someone else, um, I don't know. I think I think it'd be cool to have a have a go at um Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. So. 
Uh, you're thinking like Robin Williams type Teddy Roosevelt, or no, like... no, not 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 at the museum Teddy Roosevelt, like like serious like Rough Rider Teddy Roosevelt. I think that I think Robin did a good portrayal of that because like you know as we've talked about before, like he kind of was a lighthearted guy when he wasn't slaying bodies and hunting bears. And that's the thing, and, and just so that we don't get canceled or anybody doesn't try to cancel us, we pay for our own publishing, so you can't really do that. But um, I understand that any historical figure like that in our in our society is going to have yeah they're going to have their little issues right and i say little issues by saying there's a lot about them that you can cringe at if you're looking real hard no i get that and also um as we've developed as a society like we've become much more rightfully so progressive and and aware of our past and uh, aware of our past and uh, it, it is troubling to see things that you look back and you're like wow like that sucked like i'm a little embarrassed of those people or my country in those years you know right because I think, like, up until about World War One, like, there's a lot of fucked up things that America did. Like, uh, you, you, I mean, the whole Civil War, like, clearly, like, there was something wrong there. What we did in the Philippines, that was awful. What we uh, did to... Uh, but anyways, uh, up, I think up until about World War One, like, we were kind of dicks. And then after that, I think a lot of people forgot of it because of the whole back-to-back World War champs, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And, and the thing about the world... The, the One of the reasons I think we do so many World War movies... And like video games, and we like we talk about it a lot, and still something that's present in the mind of a lot of Americans, is because that's the time when we had a clear enemy who was clearly evil, and so we were clearly the bad, we were clearly the good guy. Like we were, yeah. We and and again, we didn't a hundred percent do the right thing all the time, but yeah. as a nation, we saw a very obvious, clear drawn enemy, and we decided to do something about it, and we did. So. Um, specifically, would you do while he was a Rough Rider or as president? I would say his whole life. Like if I, if, well, I mean, granted, I couldn't, pl- I couldn't pull off, you know, young you know, man. I mean, like twelve, thirteen. Yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't pull off twelve. You'd have to have yeah, like you're an adult at thirteen back in the day. Well, I mean, you know, it's a hard life back then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he could have looked like me and been twelve years old and be like, <laughs> "Mother, I crave violence," and then like walked off into the world with his walking stick. But I think that like, and and here's another part of, of portraying a historical figure. It's yeah. got to be warts and all. Like you, you can't you can't just I hate to use the term because of whatever, but you can't just whitewash it and say ah oh, you know all this good stuff we're going to show. Yeah, show the that, bad stuff because that makes the good stuff like everything comes yin yang. But then also like you have to you can't be afraid to shy away from historical accuracies because a lot of people think the Rough Riders just like you know like the Knights of Camelot victoriously charged on their horses and smited the enemy. Like that was not the case. Um, there during the the times where, where they were becoming famous for being that unit, like there's a lot of times where they were like belly in the dirt, advancing advancing under dire circumstances. So it wasn't as glorious as like you see portrayed in like paintings and stuff like that. And that's the that's the true nature of combat, right? Like we all like to sit around and tell war stories, and in those war stories, the majority of us tell things that are funny, right? Yeah. And this is a thing I've I've addressed personally on the show lots of times is that the people who've been there and done that. When you, when you tend to go back and tell the stories, you tell the stories about like, hey, remember that time Lance Corporal Schmuckatelli did that stupid thing when we were getting shot at? Yeah. Like the combat, the combat scene is like the backdrop to the ridiculous insanity that is the comic thing that we're talking about. And so that's that's an aspect I, I appreciate. So you would, uh, you would have that and then kind of like all the way through his later years. And who would you have as your supporting cast? I mean, phew. I figure Betty White's got to play your mom. Well, I mean, I don't know. Betty White's maybe at that point too young to play uh, Teddy Roosevelt's mom. But like later in life, maybe. I mean, yeah, like when he's on his deathbed. 
how am I going to say that you could co-star in a movie with Betty White and your immediate reaction is to be like, oh, let me tell you why that can't happen. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> saying she can't be in the movie. Clearly she was, I mean, who better to have as an advisor considering she's obviously a higher order vampire and she was there when it happened. <laughs> Nobody looks that young and lasts for that long and is that spicy at her age and wasn't around for much longer. You know who I think that you uh, probably would have a lot of fun portraying? Rasputin. Oh, that was an evil bastard. Like, I think you would have a lot of fun with that role, you know? I think, I think I would probably, I would prefer to be the foil to Rasputin, but maybe that's the part of me that just wants to be, like... <laughs> the good guy. The good guy in a movie. But, like, I would be, like, Tsar Nicholas II. Yeah. Or, or you know, even... Wait, 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 wait. I, I would just like to point out that Rasputin was that shit that, in comparison, the current Tsars... <laughs> hey, the Tsars <laughs> were good weren't... people. The Tsars were not all bad people. Like, Tsar just means king. Right. Yeah. So you had like uh, Zarina Catherine the second who also did some shitty things and she had some weird sexual stuff like and not not really weird, but like she's a queen. No, here was her thing. Like and this is <laughs> what? Of course, this is where the smoke pit goes is you're talking about the weird sexual kinks of one of the it's not royalties her, of old Russia. It's not her kinks. Like her thing was that like she had her ladies in waiting like most queens do. Yeah. And so when she was like, uh, I want to bed that one. So she would assign a lady in waiting and she'd be like, or I don't think she'd assign. I think it would be like a, like a uh, volunteer basis. But like, hey, who wants to have sex with this prince to make sure he's good enough to where I'm not wasting my time? Yeah, that makes sense. And I was like. Okay, she's a queen. She got shit to do. I get it. Yeah, yeah. She can't. She can't be wasting time on lame first dates, right? She she doesn't have time to date. She's too busy bringing Russia into its modern progressive era, and I say progressive era as in progressive for Russia. Let's not let's not get it twisted. I think that if I could portray anyone, I would probably say maybe like Leif Erikson. Like I, I wouldn't try to fuck around with the accent because clearly that would just like take away from the movie. I do like one of those things where like we're speaking in the native tongue and obviously I'd have a voice actor like dubbing my thing and then like like the thing would like transition and then it would be like the um the their language in the subtitles but us speaking English kind of like that Star Trek episode with the universal translator right where they're talking in Klingon and you can tell yeah. them to switch over to English when it switches to standard because now now the the subtitles are in Klingon yeah exactly so that way I wouldn't have to you know like uh, get roasted because of my terrible fucking uh, Viking accent. Well, here's the thing: you just get a. There's people that still talk like that. You just have to. We just have to do the thing we've already done, which is to go to a Nordic culture, yeah. and just spend six months there. This is the thing about being an actor that I'd like. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of stuff about being an actor that sucks. Like I saw this thing the other day. The girl was talking about, you know, I've been acting for 14 years. I've been in all these movies. Yeah, if you're not like the headlining actor, like it, it's because I we know people who are in this industry, and like it kind of it kind of sucks to not be the headliner, you know? Yeah, because you got to pay your publicist and your nutritionist, and you got to pay for your outfits, you got to pay for your for your social media team advisor. Three months of fucking role preparation for two minutes of footage that gets cut, right? But if you're if you're a headlining actor, or if you're like at least in the B list, if you're making enough money. You could take six months, get a trainer, take that trainer, go to Norway or go to Finland or go to Sweden. Yeah. Learn how to speak in the correct dialect, right? In English, but with the accent correctly, because they all speak better English than we do anyway. That's There's fair. a lot of Jürgen Flergens, but for the most part, their English is better. <laughs> um, my great uncle was from Norway. Yeah. And I used to make Ludafisk jokes all the time. And he's like, yeah, but maybe you should try it because, and I was like, no, thanks. I'm good. So, yeah, I think Leif Erikson would be a, a cool role to play because, uh, you know, there, there there was a lot of groundbreaking shit that happened back then. Here's my question. Now, I'm not going to... 
<sighs> I'm treading dangerous ground here. <laughs> then don't. <laughs> no, because I don't shy away from things. So there's a lot of there's a lot of controversy in Hollywood, and there has been for a long time about yeah. white people playing uh, persons of color in movies. Okay. Right. Now, do you believe that, given your coloring and your genetic history and your family history, that you want to play the whitest person ever made? I think fair is fair, and it's one of those things where if you have all of those very regrettable scenes from movies in the 50s and 60s, we should at least balance it out by letting a... You know, half Puerto Rican play a white dude. <laughs> Plus, you got the eyes. The eyes work, right? So really all we yeah. have to do is shave the sides of your head, slick your hair back, give you some beads, and, you know, let you let you sweel, wield an axe a little bit, and you'll be fine. Yeah, and uh, and thanks to the uh, the, the bit of uh, Irish heritage that I have, like my, my beard does glisten red in the correct sunlight. Can I tell you a thing I learned that just cracks me up? What's up? Uh, Anglo-Saxon women yeah. dramatically preferred the invading Viking men because they bathed and they combed their hair frequently and they smelled better. No, I, I totally get that. I was reading uh, this uh, book called Shogun. It's I, it was it was an audio book. It was like almost sixty hours long though. But that was one of the big premises was that like the the Japanese people back in the day they didn't like uh, outsiders because they thought that they were barbaric in comparison. Because like you said, they didn't really bathe. Uh, they didn't uh, put a lot of uh, attention into self grooming. So like oh, okay I, I get that so uh, fair is fair. What role do you think would be good for me to play then? Like what what uh, historical figure? Oh no, I want to see you do Leif Erikson. Okay, but give me another one though. Huh, let's see for you to play. Yeah, like I I gave you Rasputin because I think that you would have fun with like the eccentric nature and then also like the oh the, the, the dude was batshit bananas. Yeah, and the theatrics that w- would go with it. You know, like I think that would be fun for you. I mean, it would be. Ultimately, he was a vile piece of shit but <laughs> i'm sure if i had 10 minutes to think about it i could come up with a more comedic guy but because like think about it right like um what's the what when, when you're thinking of super uh, hero movies like who was ultimately like if you had to name like the f- top five actors in any superhero movie like who, who comes to mind robert downey jr okay there's one give me another uh let's see there's mark ruffalo um yep samuel jackson yep um Steve Rogers. Like uh, Chris Evans, right? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Chris Evans. And number five. Number five would be, I don't know his name, the guy who played Agent Coulson. Oh, yeah, 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 that guy. I love him. He plays Agent <laughs> Coulson. I, I don't know what Agent Coulson's supposed to be, but like he, there's nobody I think could ever play that as good as that guy did. No, I get that. And um, so I think that kind of goes to your mindset of like the, uh, the romanticizing the hero. Because if you ask me who are the best actors in like um, superhero movies, the first person who comes to my mind is probably Heath Ledger. When he played the Joker, Tom Hilston, I love Loki. Yeah, Loki Tom- cracks me the fuck up. Yeah, he. I mean, uh, granted, he redeemed himself, but like, let's be honest, he was kind of a dick in the first movies. Yeah, but I mean, and that's the thing is, that, warts and all, right? Yeah, like he is a douche, and he does a lot of douchey things. It costs a lot of people a lot of things, but you got to look at what happened to him. And then also Josh Brolin, who played Thanos, I thought he did a fantastic job as Thanos. And then I, I forgot the guy's name. Um, but the the guy who played Sandman in the original Spider-Man 3. Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, that guy. The guy who played Sandman. Like, you found out that he was only doing this because his daughter was sick and he was trying to get the money to pay for his treatment. That shit eviscerated me as a young man. Right? Like, you see a lot of these. You, uh, that, and granted, the MCU does change a lot of things from the original comics. Yeah. Like, Thanos' original motivation was just he wanted to get in Death's pants. And he yeah. sort of figured if he killed half the universe that Death would want to fuck him. Yeah, so, like, I, I think that uh, playing a, a hero... 
is is kind of like it, it's the easier job but oftentimes in movies like heroes are only as good as their villains so if you think of some movies that had great villains like um uh, Liam Neeson he Raja Ghoul in the first Batman then you had Heath Ledger and then uh not me personally but a lot of people love the way that um uh, uh Tom Hardy played Bane yeah the voice was a little th- I think the thing was off-putting for some people but yeah the 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 the, the acting was good and I will say like if I was you asked me to name some MCU characters, but if I was going to play somebody in the MCU, the two people I would pick is Iron Man because he's a very complicated character. Like he's a hero, but the initial the initial start of his hero complex is self preservation. Plus, you get a lot of booze. You're right. Plus, I get to figure out how to pee in the suit. Right. <laughs> that that scene was iconic for me, where he's like, "Yeah." People ask me all the time, "How do I pee in the suit?" And then he stops and he just goes, "Just like that." <laughs> I'm like, "Hell yes!" But so, I would I would if I had to pick somebody to play, if I could only play play one person, it would absolutely be Loki. Yeah, I could see that. Because so. he's, he's complicated, right? And complicated is where you get to really have fun as an actor. Yeah, and so like uh, Michael Fassbender, if I, I think that's how I said his, uh, pronounced his name. Fassbender, Fassbender. He's German, I think, so. Yeah, like he, he played the bad guy in 12 Years a Slave. And like, so you can you can really only have context to the struggles that a hero goes through if you have a villain that can accurately portray the evil to which they combat. So, um, you know, like, romanticize uh, aside like it'd be fun to play the hero but also at the same time like sometimes you need that necessary evil to show why we were the good guys in world war ii you know true and when credit and credit where credit's due yeah. if you play a bad guy well like the guy i've said this a lot recently the, the kid who plays joffrey in game of thrones yeah everybody fucking hates that guy but it, it wasn't his fault that was just him portraying a character well and the writer's doing a good job that's the thing though yeah how good did that kid play that fucking role that everybody hates him so much like his whole yeah. job was to be such an unbelievable prick and he <laughs> pulled it off so well that people fucking hate that guy so give me a villain that you think that i would be good at portraying Castro. <laughs> no, you know what? That's too easy. Che Guevara. Yeah, because uh, I, I when when I had the long hair and I had like the the more full beard, uh, people were making memes of like my picture next to his, There's especially that. when we were in Cuba. Right. Well, I'm not going. I'm not going based on that. I'm not going based on your Latin heritage. I'm saying that Che Guevara is one of those complex complex character where he was a hero to a large number of people, but he was also kind of a bastard to a large number of people. And like, yeah, I think that'd be a complicated thing that you would pull off rather well. Yeah. And so like, um, you know, everybody has their complexities to their story and granted, um, us as, uh, you know, flawed creatures. Sometimes we feel the necessity to assign, uh, blame or morality to one person or another, because you know, the, the way that uh, history is written can either dictate, uh, the, the, the opinion of someone like you even see it in the news now like somebody's picture come up and one station will be like oh this person was this and the other station will come out and be like oh this person was this and same person two different sides of the story but yeah there there are people out there that really romanticize what Che was ju- doing but then there are a lot of people out there which is like yo this guy's a dick well I mean the truth is a triple edged sword there's yeah. your side their side and the truth in the middle yeah I think that would be fun I think that would be uh, the fun to play I'm not exactly sure like what time period I would want to assume in that? Because I, I think that if you were just looking at some like the the rebellious fighting, like you have to give the uh, give props where props is due. As far as like being a guerrilla combative, like that dude had a good eye for picking uh, generals and strategizing. But then when you come to the human rights aspect, like he didn't have a good track record. And that's that's why it's a complex character that you would play very well. 
So is there anything else that you want to cover before we head out today? Um, there was one thing we talked about earlier, and this is some nerd stuff, but I, I feel remiss if I don't bring it up. There is a inter, there's an interstellar object referred to as a muamua, and for our Hawaiian listeners, please don't eviscerate me for mispronouncing that. I tried my best. It's a Hawaiian word meaning scout, and it's this interstellar object that we noticed back in 2017 flying through the solar system. And the thing that gets me about it is that we are getting constant updates now since we have all the data and everybody's pouring over the data. Nobody can figure out what the fuck it is. And nobody can figure out what the fuck it's made out of. They keep saying, oh, it's made out of this. And then someone else comes out and says, ah, it can't be because of this, the, this thing and that thing. And I'm not, you know, an astronomer and I don't have cosmological background. But the thing that cracks me up about it, the thing that gets me, is that it exhibited a thing that scientists refer to as non-gravitational acceleration. This is a high-speed word for it was moving forward under its own power. Yeah, because in, in space, like uh, things can only move if sent into motion or acted upon by uh, another external force. Right. So when a, when a comet or an asteroid is flying through the, the stellar void, it's because it was launched in that direction by some gravitational force. like An explosion, a gravitational slingshot. Right. Like maybe it's smacked up against something else and the, the inertia is carrying it. Yeah, or just got caught right in that sweet spot where it's slingshotted or, uh, around uh, a celestial object. Right. This thing was accelerating, right? It was moving at its original speed, and then it began to go faster, and they cannot figure out why. Now, in my mind, I think that there are uh, two possible scenarios. Either one, there was some external force that we don't have the technology to account for. Maybe there was a chemical reaction within the object itself that caused you know, some sort of gas leak or explosion. Maybe there was a uh, pulse or a supernova or something, or uh, some other sort of gravitational anomaly that uh, allowed that to gain momentum, or it's a fucking alien. It could be a fucking alien. There's, <laughs> there's, there's some papers that have been released, like one said that it had light sails on it that we just couldn't see because light sails are like molecules thin, so yeah. you wouldn't see it. It's just like just enough to where light, like particles of light would bounce off of it, make it go forward. Yeah. Um, some people said it was because it was made of co this complex hydrogen metal stuff and it was like exuding whatever and it was creating like a natural kind of chemical engine. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't care. The thing that cracks me up is that there's a thing that was flying through our solar system that was going faster under its own power. And so every time I think about how absolutely dumpster fire 2020 has been, yeah. there's at least this one thing that is super cool. And as far as I know, not a threat to us because it could have just come straight and blasted into us and caused us all, you know. Oh, and this also comes on the heels of us being told that we're going to have an asteroid that's going to come within a third of the distance between us and the moon. Yeah. And then there's a, an asteroid that's, that's it's a very low percentage of possibility that it'll hit us, but it'll hit us like the day before the election. <laughs> it's only 6.5 feet across. So like it'll take out like three shitheads in Jersey and that'll be it. <laughs> but at the same time, like what a punctuation to the shittiest year on record. Yeah. So that being said, we're not going to tell you who to vote for. All we're going to do is tell you to vote. I uh, have registered online to vote and I will be deciding who to uh, cast my ballot for. Have you registered yet? I Yes, I registered to vote. Right on. So we, we can't tell you who to vote for. All we can tell you is that you can ex um, uh, execute that sweet, sweet constitutional right uh, to, to make your one out of 300 plus million voice be heard. I will also point out to you that if you want to check the voting records of any of your representatives or anybody else, it is publicly available on a government website that will show you the person and all of the things they voted yes or no to. Yes. Yeah, so as we spoke to earlier, you have to be open to the new um, I, the, the new idea that uh, your original line of thinking 
may be incomplete. We're not going to say that it may be wrong, but there might just be things that you're missing uh, as far as the whole picture, which nobody will really know the whole picture of anything. All we can do is just tell you, go out there and vote. Uh, use your constitutional right. That's one of the, the things that we love as Americans is talking about democracy and freedom. But yet, like 100 million people didn't vote last election, me included. Um, I voted in the election before that. And again, not going to discuss uh, that back then. But uh, yeah, last time I didn't. And so I'm thinking this time around, like, yeah, I should probably probably get back on there because that's that's one of the uh, the privileges that you get as an American. A privilege and a right. Exactly. So anything else? No, I think that wraps us up. Bye. Bye. Bye.